thinking three again. Missed one a few moments ago. There it is, and down it goes for his first NBA hoop. I don't want to call it today, you know, I just made it rain. Hold me back, fam! A below average three-point shooter. There's Simmons. I got 50 biscuits. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the PickSwap Podcast. The Sixers have wrapped up the regular season with back-to-back wins this weekend. Uh, we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about Doc Rivers. Um, and I don't know how you want what you want to call that uh, meltdown, that argumentative tone. We'll, we'll talk about it. That's something we'll get into. And then we're going we're gonna to go through some regular season kind of recaps. We're going to talk about the non-Embiid MVP for the Sixers. We'll talk about the best bench player. We'll talk about a whole bunch of things on the list. But for now... What's up, Sean? How you doing, brother? Yeah, doing pretty good. Ready to do some regular season wrap-up today. We'll get into some more uh, postseason prep Raptors previews uh, later in the week. And I, I first would like to start with declaring that I firmly am on the Paul Reed victory tour. <laughs> so am I, and I think everyone else is. And it's kind of insane um, that Docker is not. It's kind of... I can't believe he said that. I really cannot believe he said that. I, before we go fully into that, Let's talk about our sponsor today. BetUS has partnered with us and we have partnered with them. Uh, they are the leading sportsbook and casino in the market. They just added player props. You can get all you need on there, especially come playoff time. You can bet the Sixers Eastern Conference winners right there right now. Uh, NBA futures, anything you need on there. Check us out. You know, Make sure to, to keep in touch with us. You can use our code PICKSWAP at login to get your first bet risk-free up to $500. Yeah. That's pick swap at login. What's up, John? Uh, they have a bunch of cool series length. Like you can bet yeah. six and six, six and four, that kind of thing. So you check that out for uh, all the series they've got playing stuff. So a lot of cool playoff stuff going on. A, lot, a little uh, obviously formats a little different playoff versus regular season. So they got a couple, uh, a lot of cool options based on that. Yeah, yeah, I was checking it out yesterday. It looks pretty cool. So they they got a lot of good stuff going on right now, uh, and with us working with them, it's going to be a lot of fun. So to move into this right now let's recap the weekend so the Sixers get back-to-back wins against teams that are bad right uh the, the Pacers are bad and they're like really really like the Pacers have been bad but they're like extra bad right now they don't have anybody on that team yeah. um that's really in in you know an NBA player outside of Tyrese Halliburton you know they have some guys mixed in and out but they didn't even have Jalen Smith um and Embiid casually in 36 minutes has 41 points and 20 rebounds uh and his final you know he Bows to the crowd afterwards. He didn't actually, but you know, wrap up this season. Uh, he finishes up his season on Saturday, and they play the Pistons. They beat the Pistons pretty handedly on Sunday, um, with most of the younger guys and the bench players filling in. The only starters, I guess, you know, did Danny Green? Danny Green played. Uh, so it was Maxi Harris Green, and then the rest were just mixing. No Hardener and Bead on Sunday night. Um, to go, we can. Do you want to talk about those games? Or you just want to talk about, you know the aftermath yeah I'll, I'll just real quick uh yeah i had a chance to be at the game the pacers game which was very cool it was Embiid's kind of a perfect way to kind of put the cherry on the season uh yeah. first player to have a 40 and 20 game all year uh one of the very few in nba history to ever be doing that uh overcame overcame a couple guys on the list to be the most 40 and 10 games all season uh not much more you can say just how great he's been i would like to shout out there was a fan sitting courtside when he did get subbed off and dropped to his knees and gave him the whole bow down which I thought was <laughs> absolutely awesome uh other than that i mean 
they took care of business about these games. The Pistons game, I think, was the right decision given these guys the, yeah. the day off, Harden and Embiid specifically. Uh, cool to give the young guys a chance. Doc Rivers begrudgingly playing B-Wall Paul. I genuinely feel, and this will feed right into what we're talking about, but I feel like him playing the minutes was seriously Doc Rivers being like, all right, let me just show these guys why he's not capable of playing. And he played them, and Paul Reed turns around in a uh, 20 minutes and 52 seconds of play, ended with 25 points. Uh, 25 points, five fouls, two assists, six <laughs> rebounds, four steals. Just a very b-ball ball game. 12 of 14. 12 of 14. Pointed at Allen Iverson after a dunk in the crowd. <laughs> I just love the kid. I was hyped to see him actually playing well. And just my mood got ruined in the post-game stuff. Yeah, so uh, to touch on the Paul Reed stuff, man, I don't know. Yeah, like you said, he's he plays with a lot of joy. He plays with so much energy. And like you just feel his presence on the court. Yeah. Um, again, I know the Pistons are bad, and it's not a direct representation of what he may look like in a playoff series or in you know when they're playing a tougher uh, um, opponent. But like, it means something that he was able to go out there, put up twenty five. Uh, the ball was in his hands. He does things that you just don't see. Uh, fast break, euro step. You know he he's getting offensive rebounds. He's getting defensive rebounds, he's getting steals, he's taking the ball up himself, running past everyone. Like, I don't know. There's just the quirkiness, the uniqueness that he brings, um, I think is very welcomed and should be continue to be welcomed. It doesn't seem like it will be uh, to go into these post-game comments. So Derek Bodner asked, you know, a pretty general question about the backup five. Paul Reed very, legitimate, his, very legitimate. Very point. legitimate uh, question about what, you know, what Doc's idea for the backup center is now. Um given that Paul Reed just had the best game of his career. He's been playing pretty well in the minutes that he's been given over the last week or so. Um, and he played a lot against the Raptors when they played them, you know, earlier last week. And Doc Rivers said, I mean, I don't even know how you want to bring this up. He was very dismissive. He was very rude. Um, he was belittling towards Derek Bodner, who is like a very good reporter. Oh, yeah. um, and has been One doing his job well for a long time um, and deserves respect. Uh, and Doc completely dismissed him and said, like, let me say this really slowly for you. Let me break this down for you um, because you can't understand it. Like basically saying, like, I'm smarter than you. Here's how I think. OK, uh, you're not going to ask me again either. Paul Reed is going to play in smaller lineups uh, and DeAndre Jordan will play against bigger lineups. Um, and there was a little bit of a back and forth, but he was just such a prick. I've never seen um, a professional talk. And, and I think there's more to this and I want to talk about it, but um, you know, the extra levels to this, but what yeah. did you just see from that, uh, that original, you know, clip? Yeah. I mean, he hit him with the, he said, we're not doing the Paul Reed victory tour. We're here to win a championship. He hit him with the, I've been around, I've been doing this a long time. He said the, let me say this for you slowly. And the the craziest part to me is like, a like you're lying. Like you yeah. do not play Paul Reed in small lineups. Like he legitimately has gone months without seeing the court. You have not been doing that. Like your reasoning and what you're just saying is simply just not true because that hasn't been what you've done all season. And this is dating back to like after the Andre Drummond trade when there was like the, the series just open court open tryout for who can be the backup center and you did not give paul reed a legitimate chance there so to act like he's acting like this isn't the case like you can't just like say this is a fact when it's not because you have yeah. not given paul reed the opportunity and uh so dismissive so crazy and for paul reed like 
he has to feel so shitty about it. Like this guy just played the game of his life and Doc Rivers is just like wiping it off. And to talk about like the extra layers of it, I mean, Bebop Ball, since he was even drafted with like everything that comes with him, because this guy is like a joy. Like he's just, he yeah. plays with such infectious energy. He's got such a cool character, but he's, he's weird. Like he's not a traditional NBA guy yeah. in a sense. He's not who Doc Rivers looks at as a center because he want DeAndre Jordan is who he looks at as a center, a guy that's big, that can catch lobs, that can block shots, that can stand there. That's not Paul Reed, but that's also not the NBA now. Like you, there's very few guys in the NBA who can't can do the limited skill set that DeAndre Jordan has. They just really don't exist anymore. the The game has changed that much, and I would say center is the biggest position where that's an indicator. You either have to adjust, be able to do these other things like guarding on the perimeter, like being able to shoot threes or the game moves you on. And DeAndre Jordan is somehow hanging this league. He was not successful with the Lakers. He has not been successful with the Sixers because he has not adjusted to that. And for the Paul Reed specifically, I'm sorry, I'm going on a tangent here. No, you're good, you're good. Uh, for the Paul <laughs> Reed specifically, like since he was drafted by the Sixers, he was a guy who is a part of kind of this new age, like uh, defensive switchability, uh, versatile for does a little bit of everything. And that's been something that's like, like you have to adjust to this. So there's been like a push from Sixers media guys, from Sixers fans to try this guy. Let's play this guy. Plus he's been the G League MVP. He's balled out with the blue coats. He's pretty much done everything possible to give be given a chance. So people have been screaming for him to get it. And then he gets this chance and he just absolutely takes advantage of it. Now Doc Rivers does not like that because in his mind he's dug in on this guy is not the guy. So by like he was doubling down on like I want DeAndre Jordan to be the guy. I don't really care what the evidence in front of me is stating for who it can be. And he's like more concerned with being wrong on this topic than he is for what's best with the Sixers right now. Yeah, uh, he has he has a very inflated ego, uh, Mr. Glenn Rivers. I don't know why. Um, I don't. It was just it was really disappointing to hear him say, you know, we're not doing the Paul Reed victory tour. Like, first of all, why not? Yeah. Uh, why don't we? Uh, because he's played, he played really well. He deserves to have a little bit of shine uh, that night. It would have pissed me off if I was Paul Reed to hear my coach say, we're not doing it. Um, dude, I just, when I think about a leader um, and someone posted it, someone tweeted, I forget who it was, um, but they said like, he's not only like not a good basketball coach, like he doesn't seem like a good boss either. Um, and if there's constantly things that have been flying around you know, the way that he has addressed reporters and addressed like legitimate tenured reporters, people that have been around for a while and people that deserve respect uh, in their position. And then, you know, on top of that, the way, you know, and I know we're going back to the Simmons thing and, you know, Ben is his own situation. Um, but his comments were ultimately what kind of were anchored in that situation. Like the part of the reason was that, the way he spoke after a game like yeah. for someone that's been around the game for so long he really finds a way to like blow his gasket over like things that don't need to be blown out of proportion and he does it constantly and i just think that if you're looking at that like if i'm joel Embiid, i'm like i'm kind of pissed at that too like why would he do that why would he do that and also who gave him the right to do that um mm -hmm. i was watching just really right before we got on here i was watching the jj reddick podcast and he had Mike D'Antoni on. And, you know, my mind's going all over the place. I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> Mike D'Antoni's coming here, blah, 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 whatever. Um, 
but just listening to him speak and the way that he was addressing JJ and and the other guy on on the podcast, like very graceful and just like grateful to be there, having just a great time. And I was like, man, like even if he sucked, even if he wasn't a good coach, like it would just be so much better for everyone to have a coach that they enjoyed being around. Like, and I've said it time and again, like I would rather have Brett Brown right now. I really don't care. I would like, I really don't think Brett does any worse of a job. Like I just, maybe, maybe this is recency bias. Maybe this is me really hating doc. Cause I was fed up with Brett uh, by the end of his tenure here, mm-hmm. but man, I, I can't do it with this man anymore. And like literally barring a championship, I will, he needs to be gone. Yeah, and and back to like his tone. Like I get, he, he's all about like how much he watches the team every day. He sees them play every day. It's like the guys you're talking to are also awesome. paid to watch basketball. Like these are you're not talking to just like some Twitter comment section or some yeah. fans doing everything. Like these guys are paid to watch and analyze the Sixers also. So like the whole like hierarchy of like I know more ball. It's like. Like again, you're just not you're talking to people who know the game as well. So I, I'm not questioning nobody's questioning him like putting the work in, watching games and stuff. But to, just to take like personal offense to like these kind of questions is so insane to me. And I really do feel like his heels are so dug in over this like backup center issue, which is such a crazy place to draw the line in my mind. That like he yeah. and and like looking forward to this Raptor series. It's so crystal clear that B-Ball Paul is a better matchup for so much. this team than DeAndre Jordan. Like, it's not even remotely a question. The Raptors don't have a player over 6'9 on their roster. They play small ball switchability. Every player can handle the ball. Every player is active defensively, gets in passing lanes, long arm, long wingspan, uh, lots of athleticism. It's like none of this is DeAndre Jordan. All of them can shoot. All of them space the floor. It's like this is a crystal clear B-Ball Paul playoff matchup. And the fact of the matter is I am not confident who that backup center will be coming off the bench. And if it is DeAndre Jordan, which I think there's probably an above 50% chance that DeAndre Jordan will be the first backup center uh, coming into this, which is crazy. But like that is Doc Rivers digging his heels in saying like, I am putting my job on the line for this guy to be like, I know is the right call, which is crazy. Like if they're bounced from this first round with DeAndre Jordan as the backup center, it's not even remotely a question. It's Doc Rivers is getting thrown out of this franchise forever. And I just think it's crazy to be digging your heels in on this issue when you are not quite clearly wrong. Because once again, B-Ball Paul is playing against these second stringers, like guys, not legitimate NBA tiers. But the concerns you have, like, and again, like he fouls too much, sure. But like, why we need him to play 10 10 12 minutes at the most it's like yeah. he can use all six fouls and that's completely fine with me because his activity otherwise is more than deandre jordan brings to the table and just just the activity the energy it brings something to the sixers team and to just not go to that well for that second unit would be insane to me but i really think it's a possibility yeah no i think it absolutely is a possibility and i'm i'm <laughs> It's uh, it's reminiscent of putting Danny Green on Trey Young game one in, against Atlanta, like just the stupidest shit you could imagine. And like that's the other thing is, you know, when you talk about Doc Rivers and how he says like, oh, I know ball, like I, I've been around the game, like then why do you do stupid shit? Like why do you do things that just like blatantly do not work, and then not only do them once but like double down and continue to do them? Like DeAndre Jordan, I think everybody knew in Philadelphia that's watched a basketball game that like DeAndre Jordan sucks. Like, and I mean this in the most like respectable way 
DeAndre Jordan is the worst basketball player in the NBA right now. Like, <laughs> he doesn't do anything well. Like, he rolls to the basket and catches lobs, but it's solely because of the gravity of the ball handler. It really has nothing to do. Like, Tobias Harris has thrown him some lobs. Harden has thrown him some lobs. Maybe Maxi once or twice. Like, those guys are all demanding the attention of the defense, and that's why he gets open. He doesn't do anything well. And I just, I don't, I'm not seeing that. Like, it's just because he's physically incapable of it anymore. Like, he just physically can't keep up. And also, the energy, the effort, like, I'm sure you saw the clip of him. Yeah. Like, yeah. the ball bounced in his direction like three times, and he just, like, Ugh. yeah. Like, shout out to Ogre. Yaga. Like, shout out to Tiago for tweeting yeah. that. And that, yeah. that's the other point I want to jump on real quick is it's like, it's one thing. The Sixers have had uh, several of these guys, like, Dwight Howard, a prime example, a guy at the end of his career. Dwight tried his ass off the entire time he's on the court. DeAndre yeah. Jordan, there's moments where he just kind of spaces through the game. And you, frankly, are not good enough to be able to doing that. And, like, the best version of DeAndre Jordan, I'm not even sure, is productive enough to serve these minutes. And if you're not giving it your all, like, it's just flat out unacceptable. And that is the one thing that will never, ever be said about Paul Reed is he tries every single second he's out there. There's been some laughable moments this year with, like, yeah. 10 seconds left in the game where he is stealing the ball from the ball handler and dunking it on the other end. And, like, as funny as that is, like, I love it because that guy is going to give it all. And, and once again, like – the fouls are just not like he, Doc touched on that in his answer about how uh, foul trouble can swing a game in the playoffs. And if our backup uh, our backup centers in foul trouble, well, guess what? Like if Paul Reed f fouls out in the first half, then then you can play your guy DeAndre <laughs> and you can prove us all why we're wrong. But it's just there's no reason in my mind why like that should hold him off the court because I just don't care. I would rather take like six good minutes of Paul Reed where he uses all his fouls than some lackluster minutes from DeAndre Jordan, but who knows what's actually going to happen. Yeah. And like a newsflash for him as well. Like if the backup center being in foul trouble is make or break in a playoff series, like I, I hate to break it to you, bro, but you're in bad shape if that's the case. <laughs> um, And they should beat this team. Like they should beat this team in five. Like I, I don't, the Raptors are not good enough to beat the Sixers. I don't know they if I agree. I, they should. They should. I'm not saying they will, but they should beat this team. They're a better team top to bottom. They should absolutely beat this team without it being much of a scare. Like maybe six, maybe six. I don't think it goes less than six. I I really would be very upset. And like that's also the other thing is I just think um, I don't know. We can keep this for for Thursday because it's a big conversation yeah. for Thursday because or Friday whenever it is. But. All right, let's let's move let's move on because I I want to talk about it, but I think it's it's good to wait a little bit. Mm -hmm. By the way, playing tournament starts tonight, um, tonight and tomorrow, so that'll be fun. That'll be a good little time, uh, for us to watch some basketball that doesn't involve the Sixers and really doesn't concern them much either. Yeah. Um, it'll just be able to enjoy some good games because they should be good, I guess, for the most part. They should be good. So let's get into these you know regular season awards here. Um, so obviously Embiid is the most valuable player of this team. Mm -hmm. Should be of the league. Think should be of the league. Uh, yeah, absolutely should be of the league. Who do you think uh, was the non-Embiid MVP uh, for this season for the Sixers? I'm giving it to Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. I, I think this, I mean, A, it's just ridiculous the leap that this guy made. Going from eight points a game last year to 17.5 this year. Two assists to 4.5 assists. His three-point percentage going from 30.1% to 42.7%, which is the third highest in the entire NBA is absolutely ridiculous. That kind of leap in one year is something that we just haven't seen 
from the Sixers, any Sixers player, and really around the NBA. Like, it's just crazy. He was the lifeblood of this team for a lot. Like, I, if they did not have Tyrese Maxey, I, I don't know where this team would be right now, really. Like, just keeping him afloat, being the guy that the Sixers needed, and being a guy that Embiid has grown to trust has been absolutely major. Yeah, I totally agree. I was going to say Maxey as well. Um, to talk about his MIP case, his point uh, differential from this year to last year plus 9.5 on his average per game. Uh, absurd. Just yeah. absurd, man. He went from a below average shooter to the third best three-point percentage in the entire league. Where, like, what are we talking about now? And, and it, like, I guess it's, I guess John Morant is going to win uh, the MIP, which also is another stupid um, wrinkle to all this. That's just dumb. If you're a top three pick, you should not be eligible to be a most improved player. I think that, I mean, if you want to make rules, let's make that a rule. Um, I digress. Tyrese Maxey has been incredible. He is, like you said, has carried them in games, has been the best player on the floor in games. When you talk about them beating the Grizzlies at home, when you talk about them beating the Heat yeah. at home, when you talk about, you know, the other night when he was just like casually was out there for half the time and had 25, um, and basically it was like sleepwalking through that game and just dominated for like the time, the minutes that he was on the floor. And then he got to go over and, you know, sit with the starters and giggle with them. So that was fun. But Maxie's definitely the, the MVP outside of Embiid for this season for the Sixers. Um, to move forward, the biggest surprise this year. I'm going Joel Embiid with this one. Uh, okay. He never ceases to amaze me. Like, I think even after last year, I was so just blown away with how good he had gotten. And for him to take it to another level this year was very surprising to me and super just fun to watch leading the league in scoring for a guy that came in as defense is his identity. His goal was to win defensive player of the year. He's the anchor of his defense. That's his primary role to now be the NBA scoring leader this year. It's just a testament to the work that he's put in the growth that he's got that he has had. And I'm just super psyched to have watched this all happen this year. Yeah. Um, I love that pick. I mean, it'd be just incredible, man. I think we get to, we can have an entire, episode just on on him yep. and what he's been able to do but i'm also going to go with tyrese maxi here as well um i know that you and i and a lot of sixers fans had high expectations for tyrese this year um but again i think it's just the shooting comes down to it the the volume and the percentage and the efficiency from shooting is just has blown me away uh and has been in all facets you know from the corner from the wing from the top of the key off the dribble catch and shoot pull up all of it um yep. so i think for him Definitely surprised me because he had a great he set a, a great foundation last season, um, especially late in the year, uh, and came in with a much bigger role and a, a, a lot of uh, slack to pick up coming into this year. And he did that and more. Uh, so Tyrese Maxey is my pick for the biggest surprise. Um, we're going to talk about the biggest loss now. The biggest loss, I guess we were kind of talking about it, um, you know, in a trade is that we were talking about between Drummond. Simmons, yeah. Curry, or, uh, or just roster movement. So I kind of last take year from to this year. This year, I, yeah, the way I word it was like from last year to this year, but including the trade also. Okay. Um, as far I mean, there's a lot kind of to pick from here. There's obviously Ben Simmons. There's Andre Drummond, Seth Curry. Even looking back to the Tony Bradleys, the the Mike Scotts, the whatever <laughs> you want to put it. I'm going a little outside the box, and I'm going Frickon Corkmas is my biggest loss. It's just very disappointing to me, a guy that's been a team for a guy for quite some time. I love everything about him, his quirkiness, his personality. Uh, Furkan, at his best, would be such a useful player on the Sixers team, and he simply just has not shown his best this year. It's really been a lost season for Furk. Uh, 
maybe because of Matisse not being around, he gets some sniff of a, a couple minutes in this series, but he's just frankly out of the rotation and kind of deservingly so for how he's played. Uh, it's frustrating. It's disappointing. And this might be the end of the Furkan and Sixers era, which would be sad. Yeah. Coming into this year, you know, on that deal, we were like, oh, we got Furkan for, for a bit of a steal. Yeah. We thought we were going to get, you know, a high volume Furkan. Yeah, man, it sucks. Uh, it makes me pretty sad, to be yeah. honest. I love Furk. Uh, and when Furk's playing well, when Furk is good, it's a joy. It's a it's a fun time. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go. I mean, I don't want to be that guy, but I, I'm going to go Simmons. I mean, it just. Yeah, it's a, the biggest loss. You know, it's uh, the toughest breakup I've ever been through. It's, you know, the most heart-wrenching situation. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's Simmons is the biggest loss. We don't have to talk about it. We can move on. Um, <laughs> uh, biggest disappointment? I'm going Doc Rivers with this one. All and, right. I mean, not that I would say my bar was super high for Doc following, like, the postseason. I certainly had a lot of what I believe are legitimate complaints on how that was handled. I just feel like, like, his heart has gotten like more out of it this year. Like I kind of felt that way last year. And now I like definitely feel that way that he's just kind of over all the, the outside aspects of games in terms of having to do like his media obligations, having to explain his thoughts, having to just coach a basketball team just seems like a hassle to him. And it's frustrating for that. And a head coach, Uh, the same kind of X's and O's complaints that have been here the whole time are still there in terms of his rotations, uh, staggering minutes, everything. He's shown some growth in that, especially since the Harden trade. So I would like to give a little props to it, but like there's, I I don't feel this Nick nurse versus doc rivers matchup is my biggest concern for this Raptor series overall. Yeah. Um, I like that. I was sticking to players. So I was going to go for a con here. But, uh, you know, between Doc, there's not enough bad things to say, I think, at this point uh, with Doc. And, you know, like I said, I think let me. So in, in lieu of this, because we've talked about Furkan already, um, I saw a tweet the other day and it actually made me it actually pissed me off a little bit um, for the wrong reasons. Somebody tweeted yesterday, uh, would you rather win a championship this year and have Doc stay for three more seasons or have a a disappointing early exit and doc get fired immediately. And I got genuinely pissed. Like I was so pissed off. I was like, I don't, I I might be the biggest doc rivers hater in the area. You're silly and just dumb. If you're not picking a championship, a championship changes everything. Nothing matters. You could, you could take basketball away from me for the rest of the decade. I don't care. Mm-hmm. If I had a championship this year with this team, come on, man, that's just dumb. So I was, I was angry at that. I got very angry. Maybe, maybe I should have turned Twitter off for the day after that. Um, <laughs> so to move on, we'll go to uh, best bench player. And I'm sure, I'm pretty sure I know who you're gonna gonna pick here. Yeah, this is my guy, George Niang, for sure. Yeah. The the guy that has been the lifeblood of the Sixers bench for pretty much the bulk of the season. Some of that is a massive compliment to Niang for stepping up, being ready. Some of that is also a major criticism of Daryl Morey for their not being more options there. And once again, like it's difficult with the midseason trade that changes everything. It, the We'll see, like I'm sure there's going to be changes in this category after the off season, but I've loved what Georges has brought to the table. He's been a phenomenal fit next to Harden and Embiid uh, and Bede specifically. He's been great all, uh, next to Embiid specifically. He's been great all, all season. Just the refreshing willingness to just let it fly has been awesome. And he's a guy who's not afraid to 
shoot it at any time. Uh, I do have concerns about him heading into the postseason in terms of matchup. The Raptors series is not a matchup I think is very good for Georges, but I'm rolling with the minivan. He's been great all season. Hopefully he gets some juice in the postseason. Yeah, I agree. Uh, George is my pick here as well. Uh, shout out the Big Niang theory. I like to listen to that. Yeah, uh, you know, every once in a while they just had a good episode with Joel. Um, but yeah, man, uh, a guy that I was, I was very excited about when they signed him. Um, and a lot of my friends were like, "Who's George Niang?" And I was like, "You're gonna love him. Trust yeah, me." And I think, uh, I think not only that the, the fans love him, but uh, he reciprocates that love. So that uh, that progression has been really nice to see and. Um, his energy, the way that he, you know, yells at people just randomly. He was yelling at Drake last time they were in Toronto. So I'm excited to see that again. Uh, a little bit of him versus Aubrey Graham. That'll be that'll be fun to see. Um, and man, yeah, like you said, he just just shoots it, just fires. Uh, yeah. And he has the green light all over the place. I want to show a little love to Shake Milton. Yeah. Uh, I I the other night. I mean, I know again. I know uh, it's the Pistons. He had free reign. He had the green light to do whatever. But Shake and Boogie, man, and I, I've been saying it. He can get down like that, uh, and I think he deserves some run uh, this playoff series. And I think if he's able to get you some off the bench, if he's able to be productive in the few minutes he's going to have, um, I think he can be. He can swing some games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that that five point burst in like ten seconds or whatever it was was, was yeah. awesome. He he got. Uh, he's gotten hot like you can see the the confidence looks a lot more back than it was for pretty much the whole season yeah the the phone celebration <laughs> was awesome uh i, I want, similar to ferk like shake at his best is super useful on the sixers rotation yeah. uh super needed in the sixers team uh, uh we'll get into more of this thursday rotation stuff but because of matisse not being able to travel to the toronto games i think those are minutes that shake could soak up i think he probably is a little higher on the pecking order than looking at like Ferk and uh, Isaiah Joe and a lot of these other guys. So uh, I'm happy for Shake that he's finding his stride at the right time. I would love for him to be able to splash in a couple minutes here and there. Nothing probably over eight at the absolute max, but yeah. uh, just a little sparing guys off the bench is a good thing. And hopefully he's capable of it. I'm, I've rooted for Shake the whole time. I'm happy to find him, see him kind of finding his stride. Yeah. And I just wrote an article about him. He had a, such a tough year. Um, and you know, the disappointment of last season with him and kind of just, you know, him not figuring it out. Um, and you know, the whole Doc Rivers, the league's not ready. Um, and shake, but this year, like, man, he, he hurt his ankle early. Uh, it took him a while to get back to form. He finally gets back. Then he, then he had COVID. Um, and then two games after he comes back from having like being out for like a week with COVID, he hurts his back. And he was talking about that, um, on the, the, niang's podcast uh and he was like yeah man i was moving in slow motion for like three weeks like i I couldn't do anything um and so you could see that kind of just like weighing on him for a while and you know a confident shake is a good shake uh i think he can adapt his game he can be a catch and shoot guy he can get it off the bounce um and he can create his own shot so i I think in bursts like you said in minutes uh maybe it's like eight to ten minutes at most um he can be productive and i I would i love shake yeah. I'm a shake guy. It's been really hard for me to deal with like the like the the poor progression of him uh, over the last couple of years because it was like he's he's kind of just like around and then he was like oh he's gonna be like the sixth man of the year and then it was like okay he's not that good anymore so that that roller coaster has been tough but you know I'm excited for him so you have the Doc Rivers Flop Award yeah Flop Award was basically the definition of it I kind of have is 
Uh, a player that Doc Rivers has mismanaged, probably a young guy or <laughs> hasn't given a chance to. I mean, you can word it pretty much however you want. I don't think this can be anybody other than B-Ball Paul right now. Uh, it kind of applies to all these guys when we talk about Isaiah Joe, Charles Bassey. It's just so maddening to me for these guys not to be given opportunities, especially when we're entering the postseason with backup center as probably the biggest concern, along with wing, uh, lack of depth at wing. But it's just he's not understanding the grasp of like the point of the regular season. The regular season is unnecessarily long. So you have a chance to try guys that you don't necessarily know if they're going to be like productive. Like you're grooming these guys so they eventually can be the guy that you can rely on for consistent minutes. And to just like there still be question marks around not knowing if these guys are able to play or not is super maddening at this point in this 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 season and especially just given the concerns. So I think it's B-Ball Paul. Doc flubbed that one. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go with Bassey uh, just to be different than you. I was going to pick one or the other depending on who you picked. I I still have the idea in my brain that like Charles Bassey is the perfect backup um especially with James Harden so I don't know I think for me you know the fact that we saw Charles Bassey for like three games earlier this year and we were all like oh this kid can play uh and then we haven't seen him since to me is frustrating you know Paul Reed in the same sense that we you know we've seen a lot of flashes from him we've seen you know a good amount of flashes like enough to be like okay let's see it full time uh and we haven't gotten the chance yet so I think that can go a couple of different ways, kind of like what you said. Uh, the young guys don't really stand a chance in a Doc Rivers-led team, which is something we did know. Uh, it was something that we did have information on from yeah. going, like coming into last year, and we kind of figured, like, okay, the guys that aren't like stars already are going to have a you know a tough time cracking the lineup. Like, just look at Tyrese Maxey; he took him a long time just to be a, a regular rotation piece last season. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think all the young guys are probably feeling this a little bit right now. Yeah. And I tweeted out today, there were two games this season where Charles Bassey played over 15 minutes. One of them, he ended with 12 points, seven rebounds and three blocks. And the other was 13 points, 10 rebounds and four blocks. And then to just <laughs> never kind of play again, he played in four of the final 42 seasons, 42 games in the regular season. Uh, he was hurt towards the tail end. So I think he probably would have got some minutes in the final game specifically. But outside of that, like yeah. I have no confidence in that he was even considered for the rotation. And another frustrating aspect is Doc has talked about in the post game for this topic specifically is he talks about how DeAndre Jordan like knows his scheme. And it's like, I mean, Paul Reed has been here for two full years now. And what is there possibly that complicated that like these guys are are missing that they're not doing that you want them to do that DeAndre Jordan is because like I, I watch it and it's just I, I don't know if the scheme's like giving up offensive rebounds or not defending the three point or what what <laughs> these guys are doing that Doc doesn't like but regardless the I, I don't think it's changing this is the Dockers that we kind of have to accept. Yeah, uh, we have to just work with it. I guess at this point, uh, we don't have much of a choice. So the last question is, will any Sixer receive a postseason award? Um, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, the the short answer, I think, is unfortunately no. I looked at a couple of the, the odds before this. Looking at MVP, Jokic is up to minus 380 versus Embiid at plus 265, even though Embiid was in the minuses for so long this season. Uh, the most improved, Jaws minus 833, which I agree is absurd uh, for taking the natural career, career arc that he was expected. Also, uh, how many games did he miss this year? 
Uh, in the twenties for sure. So like, yeah. Come on. Because I and and the um, I mean, this was keeping him out of the MVP conversation, I think, a little bit. But the Grizzlies were terrific when he wasn't there. Uh, yeah. Looking at the most improved, Maxi's plus six thousand six hundred and sixty. Uh, that was, I think, the sixth highest odds. Garland was second at plus six hundred. Defensive player of the year. This one did warm my heart a little bit. Marcus Bart minus two fifty. Gobert is all the way at fourth at plus nine hundred with Bam and Mikhail Bridges ahead of him. Embiid is uh, the sixth highest odds for that as well. So the bottom line is, I don't think the Sixers are winning anything, but uh, it's unfortunate. The MVP definitely hurts the the most. So Ja has only Ja only played fifty seven games, so he missed twenty five games. So yeah. like, where? Oh my gosh. Now I'm mad again. I was just chilling out a little bit, but now I'm kind of pissed again. Um, yeah, it looks like no. Um, Embiid should be the MVP. I don't even know if you want to consider Maxi as you know. I think personally he should be a top three in that. But like, you know, even if you're talking about Darius Garland, sure, you know, sure. I just don't think on in any situation that a top three pick in his third season should win the most improved player of the year. Like that's counterintuitive. And that's opposite of what this award was supposed to be meant for. Um, so I don't know. I, yeah, I, I like Ja a whole lot. So yeah, me too. I, nothing I, against Ja. Yeah, nothing against his game whatsoever. But I do agree that like, this is the natural career arc that he's expected to take. Like you were the number two overall pick with the expectation that you would become a legitimate NBA superstar. I'm and sorry. he has, and that's awesome. He took a massive leap this year for sure. But once again, like, it's, it was the expected leap for you to make. And it's cool that it happened this young or whatever, but I don't, I don't necessarily know. I think most improved, like, it, as it has been in pretty much all years past, it's for, like, the Jeremy Grants, for the the guys that, like, have kind of found their spot after bouncing around for a little bit or found found yeah. their footing in a place that, like, where... Jordan Clarkson. It, yeah, Jordan Clarkson, another one. Whoever it was, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, I don't know. I don't think... Uh, Josh specifically fits that bill as a whole. I think these whole the voting system, the awards, the lack of definition amongst them is harmful to just about everybody. And it's also not to get too preachy, but I get very frustrated over like the tearing down of guys for praise of the other. Yeah. We see it with the Embiid versus Jokic stuff a ton. Uh, it's frustrating. I don't think it'll ever change, but the, that's kind of how the awards are made up. Yeah, I mean, it's again, it's the same thing with first team, like. Kevin O'Connor tweeted today that like yeah. Embiid's gonna be second team. It's like he's gonna be he's a top three MVP candidate. Mm -hmm. So you know for by that standard year. for the second straight year, yeah, he's gonna be you know he's the best player in the league and he's an all defensive player and he's gonna be on the second team for what like that doesn't make sense to me. Um, I don't know. I'm. I'm like really I've been really fed up with it this year. And like last year I was like, okay, like the games and being missing games. Okay, whatever. It makes sense. You know, I thought this we're going on, we're moving on to bigger things. We're gonna get a finals MVP and that'll be better. Obviously, it didn't happen. Um, but man, this one's really gonna piss me off because he deserves it. He deserves to win this award. He probably deserved it last year. Um, and he's gotten better, he's played more games, he's been healthy, he's dealt with bullshit he's dealt with a bad coach he's dealt with teammates that don't show up he's dealt with teammates that aren't good he's dealt with you know his second best player all season was a 22 year old 21 year old point guard that had just started for the first time in his career in october i don't know how you don't give him this award and for him to leave this 
two-year period of time where he's been so dominant and so amazing as a basketball player with nothing but two second-team All-NBA awards is fucking tragic. Yeah. And it pisses me off beyond belief, and I don't know why no one else is, like, outside of Philadelphia, no one's like, oh, hey, this is wrong. Um, and, like, even, like, Tim Legler said today on ESPN, he's like, how did he go from being by far the MVP favorite and having nothing but a fantastic rest of the season, and yeah. somehow he goes from being the, by far the favorite to by far the second favorite. It's literally narrative. It's all bullshit. It's people that have nothing but Jokic balls in their mouth. It just sucks. It just sucks that this is the way it's going to play out. Yeah, no, it definitely sucks. I mean, I, like you said, he has not played badly whatsoever to end the season. Like, his play really has not even declined. And I think the Harden trait, which also I don't think this is right whatsoever. I think it's like crazy that the, this is the perception, but I think the Harden coming to Philadelphia, Philadelphia hurt his MVP stock. Uh, I and like Jokic is the sixth seed, so the whole winning thing, like, it should be points in Embiid's pocket, but it's it's incredibly frustrating. Uh, the system's not correct whatsoever. Uh, just like KD said today, KD was quoted and said the people just like Jokic and Giannis better. It's that simple, and unfortunately, it kind of feels that way. And uh, I, I don't know what it is specifically about Joel, if it's the the getting to the free throw line, if it's the, the, the used to being talked trash on Twitter and anything from his past. But it sucks that this guy is so special, so dominant, one of the all-time great players. And it just feels like he isn't perceived that way from the rest of the NBA world. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like I think about this long term and I'm looking at it like, you know, in 20 years when we're talking about who Embiid was uh, and his impact on the game like all he's going to have to show for it through this time. And, you know, he still has a lot of time left. Um, And, you know, who knows what he's going to bring next season or the year after the year after whatever it may be. But like, you know, if this is the peak Joel Embiid, which it very well may be probably. Yeah, it very well may be. It just is such a shame to me that he's going to leave it without really anything to show for it. Cause I just don't think that's, you know, really the case. And Jokic does it to me, Nikola Jokic, for whatever he's done this year. And again, I think he's fantastic. I think that he is a very um, like unique and ridiculous player. That what he does on the floor every night is crazy. Don't get me wrong. He's not the back-to-back MVP. He has not been the best player in the league two years in a row. And I don't know how else to say it other than that's just wrong. And I've seen games and I've watched these guys play. And it just, I don't think that anyone can actually look me in the eyes and tell me Nikola Jokic is a better basketball player for two consecutive seasons than Joel Embiid. I just don't think that's the case. I don't think anyone can. Yeah, and I said this to you before we started recording, but I think Embiid improved more from last year to this year than Jokic did. I think Embiid added more layers to his game from last year to this year than Nikola Jokic did from last year to this year. And uh, that alone, considering how the MVP voting was last year with Jokic getting it because of largely because Joel Embiid did not play enough games for that yeah. Embiid to then improve on the performance, which he kind of already was qualified for. is pretty absurd. And I get us sitting here complaining about it. Isn't going to change anything. It's just kind of, I guess us I feel like I have to. Yeah, but <laughs> definitely frustrating. And it really does like, again, not that I'm sure even Joel cares that much about it, but like his long-term legacy, like these accolades kind of matter. And, and when we talk about like the hall of fame stuff, the best of all time, like Embiid is, Philadelphia is like guy in that terms. This guy is so special as a basketball player, as like a professional athlete. And it's so grateful that the city has him as a 
he's been just perfect in, in everything that he does. I'm so happy he's here. I'm so happy he's our guy. I'll ride or die forever. But I, I just wish like he was recognized more by the rest of the NBA world for just how special it is because he deserves to be in every bit of these same sentences of the likes of the the Kevin Durant's. The, the the guy the prime time superstars of this league that is Joel Embiid and it should be recognized. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, on top of that, like you're probably taking money out of his pocket, uh, not putting him on the first team two years in a row, yeah. taking the MVP. Like that's actually money in his pocket that's being taken out, and that's a whole different conversation. And we got to this like very uh, somber mood towards the end of this podcast, so we should probably wrap it up here before we we get too deep into this therapy session. But like we said, Joel Embiid should be the MVP. I think everyone here in Philadelphia uh, agrees with that as well. Um, so, so we have tonight play in tournaments is going to be tonight, tomorrow, and what? And Thursday? It's through the fifteenth. So yeah, I, I believe because it's the weird, Friday. Friday, yeah, it's the weird where like the loser of the top seed plays the winner of the other one, that kind of thing. Yeah, so playing tournament goes till Friday. The Sixers don't play till Saturday. So we'll talk to you guys again before. Uh, the Sixers take on the Raptors on Saturday evening, 6 p.m., weird start time. Love it. It's the playoffs. Yeah, I guess early is probably better at this point. But, yeah, so uh, make sure to stay tuned. You can follow Sean at Sean underscore Bernard1. Follow me at jsprint 17 Follow the pod at Pod. Check out the YouTube. Uh, find us anywhere you get your podcast, whether that's iTunes or Spotify or wherever else. Make sure you check out BetUS and use our code PICKSWAP at login to get your first bet risk-free up to $500. Um, and just make sure, stay in touch, and we'll talk to you guys later this week.